the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A report surfaces alleging President Biden lost his temper with Ukrainian President Zelensky over U.S. military aid. They don't think that Putin is really ready for a long, protracted war. The Supreme Court considers arguments against affirmative action and higher education. I think that it is an end as we know it. President Biden threatens additional taxes on oil companies. We could be producing more than two million barrels a day. The world needs it. We need it. And he's standing in the way of it. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, November 1st. I'm Tasha Stevens. Taking a look at the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, reports have surfaced that back in June of this year, President Biden lost his temper in a phone call with Ukrainian President Zelensky. According to people who were familiar with the call, the president was telling Zelensky about another round of U.S. military assistance that had been granted by Congress when Zelensky started listing all the additional help his country needed. Allegedly, President Biden lost his temper and told the Ukrainian president that Americans were being quite generous and that Zelensky should show more gratitude. In this conversation, President Biden called President Zelensky to to tell him about a roughly $1 billion package of additional equipment and weapons for the Ukrainian military coming from the United States. During the course of the call, President Zelensky continued, according to a number of officials who we spoke with who are familiar with the call, President Zelensky continued to talk about the additional equipment and weapons and support that he and his military needed. According to these officials, they said that President Biden finally just got frustrated and lost his temper and told President Zelensky, look, you, you could be a little bit more grateful. The reason that this story is, uh, is, is interesting to us and is something that we are reporting on and, the, and officials are speaking to us about is because it shows that all these months ago, President Biden already realized that there was going to be a point where the American people, members of Congress, where people would start, start potentially pushing back on all these billions and billions of dollars of, of, of aid and equipment that the U.S. has been providing to Ukraine. And he knew that the, the narrative out there needed to be that the Ukrainian people and President Zelensky were grateful for it if this was the support was going to continue at that same level. The president's argument with Zelensky seems to show that he was already aware that public and congressional support for sending billions of dollars to Ukraine may fade. The report comes as news of a drone attack on a Russian sea base seems to have been the catalyst for Russia to shut down the grain corridor that the U.N. brokered with the isolated nation. Ukraine has not confirmed that its forces attacked the port, and the extent of the damage to Russian naval vessels is not yet clear. Boris Bondarev worked as a Russian official and defected due to the war in Ukraine. He pinpoints the catalyst that started the war in Ukraine. First of all, it is the, uh, the result or outcome of this evolution of the Russian state, uh, which we have witnessed for the last 20 years and even longer. It has been getting more and more isolated from society. And this is very dangerous because people who work in the government, they get this misinformation from their colleagues and they make their decision based on this miscalculation and misinformation. Bondarev says that, in his opinion, 
Putin will not use nuclear weapons. I don't think that these uh, nuclear, nuclear weapons threats are very real for now. And I think that they will not be real if Putin gets a very clear signal from international community that any use of nuclear weapons will have the most gravest consequences for Russia and for him personally. However, Bondarev believes that there won't be peace talks anytime soon. All the parties have absolutely different and uh, antagonizing uh, priorities and goals in these negotiations. So for now, I don't see any prospects for any real negotiation. Bondarev does say that he believes Ukraine can win the war with help from the West. First, uh, I don't think that Putin is really ready for a long protracted war. I think that his strength, his regime is a little bit overestimated now. And now we see in Russia that there there is a lot of confusion in the conduct of mobilization, for instance. And there is some kind of unrest and the discontent within the population. So I believe that Ukraine may may not go on this uh, path of long and protracted war. But they are capable, Ukrainian army is capable of defeating Russian troops. With the upcoming midterms looming, a potential shift in dynamics on Capitol Hill may also force Zelensky to rethink how he engages with Washington. The Supreme Court's conservative majority seemed to question the continued use of affirmative action in higher education during arguments that were presented to the highest court. Six different lawyers addressed the court Monday, challenging policies at the University of both Harvard and North Carolina. The policies considered the race of an applicant, among other factors for admission. Justice Clarence Thomas says he did not go to racially diverse schools and wonders about the educational benefits of doing so. I've heard the word uh, diversity quite a few times, and I don't have a clue what it means. Uh, It seems to mean everything for everyone. Justice Amy Coney Barrett says one of the court's previous cases anticipated an end to the use of affirmative action programs. When is it end? When is your sunset? When will you know? Because Grutter very clearly says this is so dangerous. Grutter doesn't say this is great. We embrace this. Grutter says this is dangerous and it has to have an end point. During arguments, Justice Elena Kagan said universities are pipelines to leadership positions in society and minority enrollment may drop without affirmative action programs. I thought that part of what it meant to be an American and to believe in American pluralism is that actually our institutions, you know, are reflective of who we are as, as a people in all our variety. During arguments, Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson tells Students for Fair Admission lawyer Patrick Strawbridge that the University of North Carolina considers race among several other characteristics of each applicant. They're looking at the full person with all of these characteristics. Yes, but, but our point is that all those other characteristics are not barred by the Constitution. Dina Dahl, an attorney and legal analyst, joins News Nation. The difference is that the conservative majority, there's conservative justices hold a majority on the courts. The fact that they took the case shows there's a willingness to overturn these precedents. The precedents had said that it was allowed for colleges and their mission practices to use race as a factor because the court found that the colleges had a compelling interest in diversity. And it is that holding that the plaintiffs here are trying to get overturned. 
Dahl tells NewsNation that, in her opinion, it's the end of affirmative action as the U.S. knows it. I think that it is an end as we know it. Uh, we know that based on prior dissents of these conservative justices and at their oral argument and how they question the case today. I think we're going to see this opinion when we see it sometime um, by the end of June. There is going to no longer be, uh, the colleges won't be able to use race as an explicit factor in admission. Stahl goes on to explain that some of the conservative justices do believe that colleges should seek out diversity, but they want higher education to use different methods. There was a little bit of a difference among the conservative justices. Chief Justice Roberts, Justice Amy Comey Barrett seem to allow that colleges do have an interest in diversity, but they wanted the colleges to use race neutral policies in getting to that goal, such as having an essay question ask students, what kind of things have you overcome in your life? But the practice of having a box that is checked based on your race, I think that is going to be held to be unconstitutional by this court. Should affirmative action be eliminated, Dahl lays out what she believes will be the repercussions on education as a whole. I think in terms of an educational setting, we can certainly see this not only at the college level, but across the board in elementary public high schools that are very competitive or high schools in general, because of the fact that I think the Supreme Court will say whatever they say in terms of the college will apply to educational regardless of the level. The good times might soon be over for California's government as reports have surfaced that the Golden State's tax collections have fallen below expectations for four months in a row. Daybreak Insider's John Scott takes a look at the numbers. The nation's most populous state has had so much cash lately that lawmakers have spent freely handing out free health care to low-income immigrants, paying for every four-year-old to attend kindergarten and sending more than $21 billion in stimulus checks to taxpayers over the past two years. That seemingly endless flow of money has started to dry up as state tax collections have fallen below expectations now for four months in a row. There's now an 80% chance that California will be about $8 billion short when its fiscal year ends next summer. John Scott reporting. According to a new poll, nearly half of Americans say that either the economy or inflation is the top issue they're concerned about heading into the midterm elections. Republican Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana tells the Salem Radio Network that these midterm elections are very important for the future of the country. The Indiana Republican says he's on the campaign trail stomping for other incumbents running for re-election and endorsing new candidates, hoping to help the GOP retake control of the House and perhaps the Senate. Banks tells the Salem Radio Network why he's campaigning in the Midwest. We have so many of the seats that we're going to win that are going to give us the majority that come from middle America, from the Midwest, and I'm going to do my part in the closing days to help candidates uh, here close to home. Banks goes on to say that the Salem Radio Network polling shows Republicans lead on the issues. Many issues that evolve from there, like the, the drug epidemic and fentanyl flowing over the border as a direct result of the Biden border policies. The Republican congressman says that polls show that Democrat candidates are not reaching voters with their message. Those four issue areas, it's it's consistent in every single poll in every single district in America. Those are the top four issues that matter most to independent voters and Republicans. And that's the difference. If you look at what matters to Democrats, it's altogether a whole subset of other issues that don't matter to most Americans. Banks says Republicans will sweep the midterms 
and the Democrats know it. That's why the red wave is, has built itself up to where it is today. I didn't realize how, how big of a red wave it was until I saw the hot mic Chuck Schumer moment with Joe Biden yesterday talking about losing Georgia. And even Chuck Schumer is telling Joe Biden in a private moment on a hot mic that, uh, that Herschel Walker is going to win in Georgia. That's how good of election night this is going to be. On Monday, President Biden threatened to pursue higher taxes on oil company profits if industry giants do not work to cut gas prices. The president stated, quote, their profits are a windfall of war. It's time for these companies to stop their war profiteering, end quote. Now, this comes as the Federal Reserve looks to raise rates for the sixth time this week in order to curb inflation, which is still at 40-year highs. Some economic experts are warning that the impacts of the rates will likely squeeze consumers and make the sputtering economy more difficult once the rate hike kicks in. Steve Forbes, the editor-in-chief at Forbes Business Magazine, joins Fox News and says that the economy is the main reason Democrats are in trouble with the midterms coming up. He's dead in the water. And certainly you see that in other statistics on the inflation front. He ignores that inflation was one and a half percent when he took office. The economy was growing at over a four percent growth rate when he took office. And look at it today. And gasoline, we all know, uh, was of two dollars and thirty nine cents when he took office. Now it's uh, over three dollars and eighty cents and rising again. And it's uh, the heating oil. That's going to get worse this winter. So all this happy talk is one reason why the Democrats are in trouble, because people don't trust the president of the United States. Forbes points out that, in his opinion, President Biden's policies on energy will cause a fuel shortage in 2023. Problem is, the dollar's been going up and down like a yo-yo. The Federal Reserve has made a hash of things. And the Biden administration's been throwing sand in the gears of this economy, hurting oil and gas production. We're going to have oil and gas shortages next year. We think we're going to have a tough winter this year. Wait until 2023. The world is in crisis, and this man is responsible for it. We could be producing more than 2 million barrels a day, much more uh, natural gas. Mm. The world needs it. We need it. And he's standing in the way of it, plus all the other regulations he's been throwing in the way to hurt this economy and small businesses. Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates have backed OPEC cuts as a U.S. envoy warns of uncertainty. Charles Deledesma has more. Comments at the Abu Dhabi International Petroleum Exhibition and Conference show the stark divide between the U.S. and Gulf Arab countries. It supports militarily in the wider Middle East, the UAE's energy minister says, while OPEC and its allies are only a phone call away if the requirements are there to raise production, there's no suggestion such a boost would be on its way anytime soon. American politicians, meanwhile, have reacted angrily to a decision likely to keep gasoline prices elevated. I'm Charles de la Desma. November 1st means that the window for choosing health insurance plans for next year on healthcare.gov is open. Correspondent Ben Thomas has the information you need to know. Those searching for coverage will largely be shielded from an increase in costs. Generous subsidies approved during the coronavirus pandemic remain in place. That'll keep monthly premium payments at zero or just a few dollars for most. Enrollees' premiums are capped at 8.5% of their incomes. The larger price breaks have driven a jump in enrollment. About 14.5 million people get their health insurance coverage through the Affordable Care Act, and the percentage of Americans without health insurance hit an all-time low in August of just 8%, according to the Department of Health and Human Services. Ben Thomas, Washington. 
And finally, high school flag football is on the rise among young women, according to the National Federation of State High School Associations. In a groundbreaking moment, Chatfield High School won Colorado's first ever girls high school flag football championship after winning a pilot program co-sponsored by the Broncos. It's part of a growing trend across the country, and right now seven states have programs for girls. While Colorado doesn't have a state-sanctioned varsity girls flag football league, that could soon change thanks in part to the Denver Broncos. Earlier this month, Chatfield High School took home the first ever girls high school flag football championship awarded in Colorado after winning a pilot program co-sponsored by the Broncos. Chatfield Chargers coach Alexic Rochelle says that the growing popularity of flag football among women is amazing. It's huge. It gives the girls another opportunity to play sports and get connected within their school. Um, Our team is actually fairly young. We didn't have too many seniors involved. So I think it's super cool for the younger girls coming up. It just gives them another opportunity to play sports um, and show that they can do whatever they want. Coach Rochelle explains there is massive growth for girls flag football. Um, The growth was huge. Every, there's a lot of schools in the area that weren't able to get teams right away, but I think as they saw how fun the girls were having on the weekends and things, um, that every there's a lot of schools in the area that want to become involved with it. Um, I believe there was 27 schools involved this year, um, and I couldn't imagine that number wouldn't double for next year. Audrey Hubble, one of the young players, says that she's always played football with her dad and brothers and is thankful to be able to play on a team. I have two younger brothers and my dad's really into football, so I've actually like been playing football at least like for fun for a while. So like having this program was just an insane opportunity to actually play because I've always loved to play football, but obviously I wasn't going to like go up for the tackle football team. <laughs> so I'm really grateful to have played with these girls and all of my friends are playing and I made new friends really easily, so it was a lot of fun, and I'm super thankful to have these coaches um, taking their time to be with us and practice with us and play games and stuff. Currently, seven states have sanctioned girls' flag football programs. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Nevada, and New York. Starting next year, schools in Southern California will be able to participate in state-sanctioned girls' flag football competition. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Tasha Stevens. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.